top finally, and then we're there. Yeah, I think that's probably the best idea. Kennedy, I don't even want to know what's happening. I. So so you're saying that like Kanye has more than three three classics, classics. and here's my thing: I don't think that he does, and this is why I think. I think, uh, which I'm gonna call it. Um, Late registration is obviously a classic. Yeah. So you know, absolutely. like just just the range of the songs on there, Gold Digger. Yes. I mean, and and all the album cuts on there, like Gone and <clears throat> you know, Hey Mama. Like that's obviously a classic. Here's the thing. I got you. I got you. College okay. Dropout, good album. But you, I've already talked to you about this. Like, Age Like Milk, sonically, um, it's just not a. It's not an album that has a lot that it brought with it into the modern era, whereas other Kanye albums have. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Avi, 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 a classic. Um, And then I can make an argument for Yeezus. I can make an argument in between Yeezus and Watch the Throne. Watch the Throne because it's the greatest rap collab album ever between literally two of the three greatest rappers ever. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Are you saying that's one of the classics? Potentially, or Yeezus. I, why I are you saying so? Why, can, yeah, why can't it be? I don't think. It can, I, no, I don't Look, think it can be both. I know. I, this okay, is, just go ahead and say I don't. I'm. I'm watering. Kanye's a racist, so no, I'm watering no. down his, his. I'm sorry. And you know what? That's I fine. Really he hope is that's a racist. I'm sorry. But his music. Look, well, let's go through this. College dropout. Classic. I don't. I, think oh, registration, no, 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 classic. I understand graduation. what you mean by sonically. It didn't really. Age it didn't. Well. I get it. Yeah, and my like a lot of the beats just kind of aged like milk, and I don't think that's a bad thing because it was a great album in its time. That's fine. That's and classic. it still has songs that carry, like Jesus Walks, Through the Wire, um, Family down. Business, All Falls Down. Yeah. Like, it's got songs that carry, but it's like, overall, sonically, like, hit them high. Like, what is that? It's a good song. Okay. Continue. <laughs> Continue. You were saying? I, uh, I was I was going down the list. College Dropout, classic. Uh, I don't care about anything that just came out sure, of your mouth. Uh, sure. Late Registration, classic. Graduation, classic. 808s and Heartbreak. Classic. Whoa, um, whoa. How do you just automatically give graduation class? Like, really whoa, good. No, wait, wait. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's actually ridiculous. That's the most classic of them all. You're fired. According to me. Like, very stadium album. Yeah. Gorgeously sounding album. As far as, like, he made it to where it would hit in stadiums, right? So, very good album. Very good songs. Like, very, very good songs. Can't tell me nothing. Yeah. Can't tell me nothing is the most timeless joint on there. And then there's some other really good ones on there, but there is hit the album real quick. Yep. Um, good morning. Nothing. Stronger. Wait, wait, wait. The wait, only, wait. The only me, song that's arguably Barry Bonds, is, uh, bro. Drunk Flashing what, Lights. What's the girls one? Drunk yeah, Drunk and Hot, 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 Hot Girls. Like personally, it's a fun one, but like there's just a there's just some songs on there where I'm just like it's hard when I hear this and call it like. There are two I just songs. don't understand why bro, it can't just be a really song good album. One song. Big Brothers, good. Yeah. Big Brothers, all of the. I mean, oh, Big Brothers, great. Good uh, is even good. Everything Flash I am, lights. fantastic. Homecoming, that Fla- song where he talks Bonds, about no good ID. Good life. I mean, well, flashing lights really helps your argument because that one went just that one got hot that really one just lately. Yeah, just like uh, took off. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't. It's hard with Jesus because it's so. It's same thing with eight oh eight over heartbreak. Like both of those are such important albums yes. but they're so polarizing like for instance like I think Drake's Views is a classic I think it is a classic mm-hmm. but there's just enough decision, you know for it to be a universal classic and not simply a cult classic <clears throat> like a lot of times when people talk about Kanye's first 
three album run mm-hmm. they just talk about them as a collective and they never break down the albums because i i honestly believe only one of them is a universal classic and that, that's it that's a, that's that's my only point you don't think wait so which what's the I universal just, I, late registration late registration but graduation to me is is probably his second best album no my beautiful dark twisted fan oh no 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 kanye's got three classics that's what i said oh I, yeah I, late I, registration I said my 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 undisputed my beautiful dark probably the greatest rap album ever um, I've got seven classes, and I go watch the throne that. before Jesus. He says probably the greatest rap album ever, just to give you. He throws, he throws you a little bone. bone. No, here's the thing. Here's the right. yeah. no, 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 I, I you do. do I listen to it on yeah, yeah. EP. No, here's the thing, because I yeah, know that. that no, well. no. In fairness, because I know that people think I'm a Kendrick and Kanye troll. Uh-huh. Because of how much I love Drake, you and are I'm really bit. not. So you try to make sure everybody knows that you really do appreciate them. big time. Yeah, I think Kendrick and Kanye have both individually dropped two of the three greatest rap albums of all time with Good Kid, Mad City and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm -hmm. I think the only one that fights those two for the spot is Nas's Nomadic. And and so I don't don't have like, I think their peaks are crazy, but but I'm just like, here was my point in saying the Kanye. Actually, I've got eight. Go ahead. From 09 to 2014, Drake has definitively three classics so even if kanye has four even if you you, you probably give him five because i think you give him graduate you give him like six you giving him college dropouts you don't do that i'm giving him a like serious eight. conversation yeah if you give kanye say he has four or five right yeah <laughs> drake has three in his first five years of his career that's cool. nothing was the same take care and so far gone kanye has three in his first four years and then two. 2015, uh-huh. he's got, if you're reading this, is too late. So four definitive classics, mm-hmm. and then Views and Scorpion are two of the biggest just rap albums ever. Yeah. So my thing is, when people, what people try to do with the Kanye Drake thing is they do a similar thing with LeBron. Uh, and Jordan. Yeah, uh-huh. where it's like, well, Kanye's got six classics, so what are we even talking about? And I'm like, actually, I think Drake has... Drake has a lot Just of classics, Just as many, too. if not one more than Kanye. I'm not arguing Kanye over Drake. I know you're not. I'm, I'm just arguing that I'm Kanye getting rid has... of the Kanye classics argument. No, no, I'm telling you that Kanye... I actually think he has eight. One of them isn't even on this list. One of them is uh, the one that I always talk to you about. Uh, Cruel Summer? Is that good summer? Yeah, collab ones I can't count, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah. I, I just personally, I'm like, that's a Kanye album. I'm sorry, but... Uh, it's yeah. a collab album too, so it's it, we don't have to count that one. But no, his first seven albums I think are classics all the way up to Jesus. I don't think that that's re- they they won. Uh, is they, it fair? Not most most of these won Grammys. Eight over eight oh eight over Heartbreak. That's the closest important? one to, to not being. You know, I think that's the closest one to not being a classic because I think it's, it's better than culturally important. But yes. a classic is tough. I would call it a classic, but I I would be willing to allow mm-hmm. you. To not call it a classic. Kennedy, but what did you like after the the, the life of Pablo? I like Life of Pablo. I actually didn't mind Ye, but I I understand it's not a classic. Um, some of Kids See Ghosts is okay, but right. it's not great. Uh, Jesus King's yes. kind of whack, but uh, I like Donda. I like Donda. I like Donda. It's like not as it's not a classic. In retrospect, movie. it's way inferior to Certified Lover Boy. Yeah, but at the time. I thought it was close. It's the and I still really like it. I do. I go back to it sometimes and I listen to it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like uh, at this point, it's that's like if you liked Christian rap at any point in your life, then you'd probably 
appreciate yeah, like Donda. Yeah, so yeah. and Donda has two of the best rap verses of the last five years. Oh, can you tell me why you liked um, Jesus Lord? Because I I never really understood. Like I like the song, but I know you were like a big fan. Is of that, that the song. one? Is that the one with the fun sample at the beginning? Tell me if you know someone that needs. Oh no! Oh you Jesus, no! You talking about that's. <laughs> oh wait! With all the oh with Jay Electronica? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bro, you said what you mean? Yeah, uh, no, that was the, that was probably in. that was probably the, about it. as far as like as far as like the best bars in reference to Christ. I was gonna say mm-hmm. Christian Hands rap. Down. I have not seen someone rap like Jay Electronica. Dude. Hands okay. down. When okay. and when it came to like mm-hmm. oh, and he's nation, I almost I just want to play it. Yeah, he's copyrighted. He's trying to get his millions back. Like no, um, yeah, like he's nation of Islam, but you know, but you know, he has a lot of respect for Christ, and so his. But his Christ bars would put any Christian rapper in shame. Mm-hmm. I have to go listen. To yeah. that, and, to and not just because he's just overwhelmingly more talented, but like he's just better at not making it corny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was you authentic. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's how it felt. It just yeah. you can feel the authenticity versus how forces. I don't know how to explain, it, but sometimes yeah. you can just feel it when it comes to Christian rap. That's yeah. kind of how I felt yeah. with Lecrae's last album because I like most of his stuff, but. Um, I don't listen to it as much anymore, but I still like it. Yeah. But uh, his last album, I was like, yeah, this just feels like you're trying to repeat like what Christian. You're just pandering to evangelicalism, yeah. I think. But, and we're kind of done with the like surface critiques of Christianity yeah. at this point. I, just, like, I still think the greatest Christian. Oh, they're not woke enough. <laughs> Wags finger, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, uh-huh. give me something deeper, bro. Like, yeah. Something deeper. I I still th- I'm gonna end it with this for me. Uh, greatest Christian rap <laughs> album, sorry, song of all time is still Jesus Walks. Oh, hands down. Oh, wait. Yeah, hands down. Right? About anything Jesus. Yeah. As far as Christian hip hop, there's no, there's no yeah. better. Yeah. Right? Um, I'd have to Jesus think about that. There, there was some, I have to uh, sit and Jesus think about music that one. is in there, kind of, I guess. Uh, I liked Broke from Lecrae's 2017 album. You said Jesus music? Right yeah. with my top. That's an iconic. Uh, low key aged really well, really sonically. Well. Yeah. <laughs> like, like for, it was ahead of its time at the time. And honestly, so I thought that album was straight from Lecrae uh, after the music stops, but that song uh-huh. on the album is such a standout on the album. I'm like, dog, why didn't you oh. keep this energy for at least? Listen, another... I know we need to see what time it is, but like, I like that the screen is black. So I don't even want to know that I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what hey, I mean? Hey, uh, I was I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about this the other week because I told you. Um, I told you what was that song? Praying for you is the Lecrae uh, stand. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, because I, I, I was thinking about it. There was another Martin killing the sample. Trying try to get my thoughts out over here, Martin. Yeah. Uh, Keep, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Could you pop up the, uh, uh, I think indwelling sin from uh, Rebel is his uh, guilty conscience. Agree. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kennedy. Oh my God. Is man, that not brilliant? We haven't talked about this yet, yeah, yeah. but I, I, dude. So I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying this to say I'm ahead of you. I'm just saying like mm-hmm. I never talked about this with anyone. I said this to my buddy Abraham like mm-hmm. years ago. I was like, why is it crazy that indwelling, yeah, sin yeah. and guilty conscience are They're like. The same. It's almost like Lecrae listened and got inspired. That, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I actually think he, he wouldn't say this out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he would have probably got canceled from Christians if he said oh, yeah. he picked Especially away from Eminem. Then. But yeah. but I think he kind of okay. took a little bit early on. Chris, you are naive and dishonest if you think that Lecrae's not listening to <laughs> Right. So he does yeah. admit it now. Yeah. But back mm-hmm. then, I mean, none of them. Back then, there was conversations over whether they could have a secular producer make their beats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a big deal when Lecrae so, and B.O.B. made it. I remember with Rebel... Uh, the sample of that one dude, uh, that one preacher, 
He's like driving around with their tattoos, motorcycles, yeah. smoking cigarettes. I'm yeah. so tired of it. And I was what? like, and I was yeah, like, the intro. bro, what, uh. which one of those like three things were sinful? <laughs> <laughs> What a bar, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay, is, y'all. That's Welcome that to the Moral Minority world. Show. And that is a perfect segue. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That is so true. Uh, is that, what part of that's even is in. Okay, and real quick, I, I, I've i always had a sneaky suspicion that's a Mark Driscoll, but I don't know for sure. Ooh, it could be. I don't know for sure. It sounds a little bit like him, but, it, but no, I've never But Mark Driscoll would have been very pro-motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a and maybe tattoo kind of Irish, maybe right? tattoo. You know, I think yeah, yeah, that's fair. Young, reckless, and reformed. <laughs> well, thanks for indulging that uh, first twelve <laughs> minutes of us uh, having fun. Welcome to the More Minority Show. I am your host Joshua Luckett, and I am joined by your other host, my co-host Candy Curley. Howdy. And today, and honestly, will just be a reoccurring thing because. Woo. Martin is awesome and thoughtful and having him a part of these discussions that me and Kennedy have. Uh, not only is it going to be fun because I think we just have a lot of conversational chemistry, but Martin brings a Hispanic perspective mm-hmm. to our conversations. I was wondering, really Kennedy, I was like, is Kennedy Hispanic? I feel like you can, the, the Kennedy's like the free space, like the bingo yeah. free space. <laughs> I'm, I'm all, I'm omni, uh, omniracial. Um, I am, I'm just kidding. He's just an amalgamation <laughs> of all. Uh, <laughs> you want me to be. space you need to fill. You exactly. Yeah. I, I can do all things through, uh, <laughs> so, through the parents who raised me up. Yeah. So they, <laughs> So the so the great conversation that we're trying to have today is there was a massive revival at a college, um, Osbury College. Osbury, Asbury. Asbury. Oh, that's yeah. That's probably the more appropriate way to say it because there's no U in between the. Yeah, I thought, that's what, I thought yeah. that was like just the right way. To say I thought it was. No, it is the right way to say it. I'm Asbury, sorry. Yeah. I'm slurring my words. <laughs> but uh, no, so uh, Asbury College had a unique experience that the school did not obviously plan for and they've made that very clear they haven't and we'll talk more about some evidence Mm -hmm. that they were actually shying away from the attention of it but ultimately um a revival just kind of broke out in amongst their student population um and now that of course gives us a chance to define what is even a revival one Mm -hmm. and then two um what does this mean in the because revivals have been a historical phenomenon throughout Mm -hmm. american history what does this mean in a modern sense what does this tell us and then what is even an authentic revival i think you know for even believers that have familiarity with that term Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot to walk through as far as what it even looks like that it is um what it, what it even looks like that a revival is what does it mean what does it accomplish what does it do why should christians either be excited about it or skeptical about it or whatever and so so that'll be the conversation today so let let me just start with briefly i'll just say at least what my experience with revivals were and then if one of you don't mind if y'all You've experienced define, a revival before is that what you're saying yeah yeah what and what my experience was and were then you made new by it Huh? Were you made into a, a, a new uh, no, transformer? And once I explain to you what <laughs> it was, no. <laughs> you'll know exactly why. Okay, okay. Um, and then, yeah, one of y'all can just, like, 
define briefly just kind of what the evangelical Christian term of what a revival is and then what y'all's experience with revivals okay, have been. Okay, that's and that's, that'd be great. But I'll just start with like, so we're, so back at my, at my Southern Baptist church, basically we would just have a season occasionally where a preacher would come in and they would sometimes bring like a choir or like some, you know, um, assistants, maybe even congregants from their church. If they weren't like an itinerary pastor, if they were actually like a set in a, in a congregational pastor. Um, and literally they would just have a string of sermons that were supposed to encourage us to better Christian behavior. And that was revival. Yeah, that's what yeah. your church called a revival. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, is like where I'm getting at. Like if, and that's fine. Yeah. And like everyone exactly. at your church is like, oh, we're happy. Like if they say revival, they know that that's what they're referring to. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think where I've been getting caught up is, and I don't know if, I'm, if we're getting ahead of ourselves already, but um, is how much that term gets thrown around. Mm. And I'm... I feel like everyone just keeps throwing it around and talking about it, and I feel like I'm the only person in the room that's like, "Can we just pause and define and this. talk about exactly. whatever, like, what we mean by revival?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. and this is going to be this is going to sound cynical, so I'm just practicing yeah, with that. We've, we're deconstructing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nature. I like to, I like to yep. call it reconstructing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. We're doing both. Uh, but anyways, um, the cynical side of me is like, I don't. I think what they're referring to a revival sometimes is just a sold out worship service mm. that is really good and is even a good thing. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing whenever a bunch of believers get together mm-hmm. and are confessing sin and are like making much <clears throat> of the name of Jesus and are praying over one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe in their eyes, the difference between that and a normal worship service, because I'm like, that's what a worship service should be. Yeah. Like, that's just a worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in their eyes, what differentiates that is like, oh, the attendance is huge and it lasts for many days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, you're just talking about a worship service then. An elongated the worship service. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. An elongated yeah. one. And so I think for me personally, where my, what my personal definition or understanding of a revival has been is our outsiders non-churched or de-churched people being brought in and lured into the experience and coming to know christ through this experience i've never heard that before and i really appreciate that definition i've never well i'm just like is it expanding the kingdom otherwise it it feels like this is an already christian school these are already christian schools that are responding to and are these christians just getting a really sweet experience that is a good thing Mm -hmm. that is a very good thing so they can be trained up encouraged um so they can continue ministering expanding the kingdom but i'm just like a revival to me is like is there like a mass number of people Mm -hmm. confessing christ as their lord and savior for the first time or something right so so yeah like that people talk about that phenomenon and sometimes they use the word revival but in the context of what churches actually mean by revival, they never describe it as evangelistic. Right. Purely. Well, I thought historically you're ex- it was evangelistic, which we'll get right? There, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ken Dog. No, yeah, I will just say in my experience, um, a revival is a title that you slap on a, an experience that you just expect to be 
a very emotional experience. Um, mm, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it's a title that you maybe slap on a weekend retreat or uh, getting a bunch of mm. kids in the same room, inviting their friends in so that they can sing their lungs out for, for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it, and it's also a great way for a church to make money, if I'm just being honest. Um, I came from two different churches. One was like a medium-sized church, and one was a mega church. Is that Prestonwood? Prestonwood was the other one. Yeah, we're gonna call them out, baby. Oh right. my bad. <laughs> <laughs> This is the, the podcast. Uh, the Jamie. moment when Martin forgot that there was a mic. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, but we appreciate that. I he mean, gets it because uh, we, we both uh, have some ties to Preston Wood to some degree. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a good way to just get a bunch of people in the room. Um, and honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, kind of just say the same stuff that you're saying all year, but with maybe a little more emphasis and yeah. background music. Yeah, um, it's a different atmosphere around the things that you're saying. Right, yeah. right. And so you, it, it's um, that. That's uh, honestly kind of the only experience that I really had was just it's a name that we call something that's kind of just grander than the rest of the things that we do throughout the year. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Right, more resources and time is being allocated mm-hmm. to it. It's yeah. But mm-hmm. when what you said that I've been struggling with is when you said, you know, you expect an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like that is the, in like kind of evangelical, uh, very like kind of Calvinist uh, culture that I grew up in. It's like, I don't know, mantras, you can't trust feelings, you can't trust the heart. Mm-hmm. And so that was my, also my natural inclination is like, I hear about this and I'm like, yo, it's just emotions. Mm. But then I also think about like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And I recently heard Rachel Held Evans say in her book, Expired, like you can't disregard those faculties. Inspired, not Mm -hmm. expired. Did I say expired? Yeah. Which is which <laughs> it's is okay. Fine. It's okay. Inspired. <laughs> the, um, the two black people we say things wrong all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But join the party. Yeah. I got on to you about Asbury earlier. So yeah, Asbury fair. was tough. Yeah. That was tough. <laughs> um but yeah, so it's like it it doesn't make sense to deny your emotions or to uh, subdue those faculties when you're interacting with God and with the worship service and so I understand yeah. why it is emotional And but anyways L- longer conversation in the future and I actually I think that'd be a great episode in mm-hmm. the future of just like cerebral vo- versus emotional mm-hmm. concepts yeah, of Christianity yeah. but well, like good. it's like the experiential self versus the narrative self yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 but you know like the- theologically like and this is where this is where I kind of like look at a lot of Christians as like, man, and well, Bible teachers is like, man, are you just flipping pages? Because I don't know how you can get through the entirety of the Bible while having any sort of default that rejects or is constantly skeptical of emotions. As far as like when mm-hmm. you look at the biblical narrative, right? Yeah, like it is aggressively. Emotional. An, an emotional <laughs> book, and, yeah. and so many people have emotional responses to yeah. their encounters with right. each other, God, angels. You know, <clears throat> like literally, angels have to. The first thing they have to say when they see someone is, "Don't be afraid." Well, that's them having an, an, an instinctual right, emotion. Right. <laughs> but like, but I know what people are saying, like volitional, like chosen emotional responses, and I'm like, yeah, whole Bible. And and I honestly think a lot of the stoicism is that 
a lot of Christianity's um, infrastructure is led by men, and men are expected to have a, a like a, a very stoic mm-hmm. response to things. And I think yeah. that's why we. I, I've literally heard a pastor say we're becoming a very emotional and effeminate church. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know good. Then, uh, that's exactly. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There'll probably be less children abused and wives abused if you become a more wow. emotional yeah, yeah. and effeminate yeah. church. I, I, when yeah. I say emotional experience in regards to a revival, I normally mean uh, that it's a manufactured emotional. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. we're going to manufacture an emotional environment. And call it the Holy Spirit, but it's really just a little string music in the background that's right. getting your <laughs> uh, so, goosebumps. On, I don't know. Yeah. So, so briefly, let's walk through like historically what revivals have been throughout church history. Um, I'll say a bunch of I'll I'll like vomit word vomit a bunch of stuff, and y'all just cut me off mm-hmm. and jump in at any point, and then talk about kind of what we've heard about what was happening at you know Asbury, mm-hmm. and then kind of dissect like what do we even think about any of it, right? So to Martin's point earlier, which was a brilliant point, revivals have historically been evangelical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so the Great Awakening is actually a very pivotal moment for the early um, uh, African slave church here in America, the black church here in America. It's weird. So the reason I phrase it that way is because it's weird because it's like, they were not American citizens when they were chattel slaves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I can't call them African American. Really, it was really yeah. just the black community. Yeah, yeah. essentially uh-huh. just the black community or the African slaves or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But during that time, like, you had a lot of back and forth over whether we should even evangelize slaves because mm-hmm. um, they don't have a soul. And sometimes evangelization would be tantamount to emancipation and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, all the racist tropes. And then the Great Awakening was actually a really pivotal moment, along with some other things that built up to it, to where we just did not care or there were no more encumbrances to evangelizing the black church Mm -hmm. and evangelizing um, slaves. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the reasoning for that was because the Puritans believed that America was a city on a hill. It was a light to the nations. It was kind of a typological Israel in the modern sense. But they were like, but we got to deal with one thing. Because every the whole notion of like people are people of their time is such BS. Mm-hmm. People know when they're wrong, yep. even yep. in their time. Right. <laughs> like you can be delusional if you want. But like <laughs> there's a reason they were abolitionists who were contemporaries to like slave masters right the information was there exactly right (laughs) Uh yeah so the great awakening was actually pretty pivotal in um a theological like it was kind of a the first great awakening with jonathan edwards in the 1700s was basically a a theological resurgence a a re-engaging with who god was and what that meant for your life in regards to salvation it was a very personal personal salvation type deal. Um, and it was remarkably boring. To call it a great awakening <laughs> is literally just in the amount of people it impacted because these pastors were incredibly boring <laughs> in contrast to the second great awakening. Jonathan Edwards would literally get up and read a manuscript for a sermon. Mm-hmm. And that was his sermon. What was the great awakening, the first one kind of revolving around? Was there like a certain... Uh, it was essentially like as as the colonialists had come over into America, they had just gotten very like 
laxed in their spiritual practices mm-hmm. and clergymen and leaders in the church were noticing that and they were just like man our people really need to get fired up for god and his sovereignty yeah, and what that means for the wood. Huh? <laughs> i said they all went to preston wood what's interesting is the first great awakening by implication did some social good the second great awakening like kind of focused on it in some subsets uh, some subsects of it. So the first one, mainly northeastern, mainly just born mm-hmm. old white men on a pulpit. That was talking. the hand of an angry Yeah, guy. yeah, exactly that that era. Mm-hmm. The second one was like during the westward expansion in America, mm-hmm. and literally as people were going, there was just this massive revival. And that one is way more fascinating. So one, it was not overwhelmingly polished educated you know seminarian white men it mm-hmm. was a lot of like bivocational baptist mm-hmm. it was far less polished it was far more organic and like energetic a lot of the tent revival stuff that we see today mm-hmm. and from the second great awakening yeah, yeah a lot of that is from that okay. like it was it was a much more like movement of the people mm-hmm. it was a lot of it was a lot more like poor people like rural people mm-hmm. okay who were literally just on a venture to like see what was west and like mm-hmm. you know and like mm-hmm. gain land or you know whatever and mm-hmm. of course we know how problematic it was in america's westward expansion was right. and how much mm-hmm. more genocide it led to and all of that so we're not not at all baptizing that but as people were going they were having encounters with the Lord. And honestly, in a lot of ways, it was actually shifting a lot of their thoughts about what they were even doing. So Charles Finney was a huge um, figure in the Second Great Awakening. And he actually told people, hey, when you come up and accept Jesus as your Lord during this kind of revival, and that was a lot of the altar call stuff, a lot of that was during this. The Second Great Awakening is probably the most formidable shaping of what a lot of modern evangelicalism looks like today just 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 as a mm-hmm. aside but like when he would call people up on their altar calls he would also call them to abandon um belief in slavery and mm-hmm. um i even think there was like didn't know that who was this again charles, charles finney. finney okay they, i think there was even like paperwork or something I, it's at my my I'm, I'm fuzzy on that one but like there was something that he would literally challenge them to like, yes like to like pledge yes yes or, or yes like you ever signed was... one of those before in youth youth uh your youth group <laughs> did a uh, oh uh i no, no actually i don't the think pledge I did. to get rid of mass incarceration in there, yeah. <laughs> i signed the uh actually never i'm not gonna yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a different, that's a different cut that cut yeah, yeah. A, a purity uh <laughs> <laughs> let's be real about what it was uh-huh. go ahead but uh no yeah like he would call people to be like hey you in order to be in christ it is synonymous with your relationship with Christ that you abandon um, believing in slavery mm-hmm. or or uh, proposing slavery mm-hmm. in America. Okay, um, and so it did have some effect. Now there was a third Great Awakening. It actually led to a lot of the parachurch ministries in America. When was it? It's normally not called a Great Awakening, like late eight, like eighteen fifty okay. something. Okay. You know. Um, it's normally not called a great awakening, but it was a pretty big movement. I could detail it another time for the sake of time, but like 
that one just led to a lot of parachurch ministries and a lot of like um, basically Christians getting active in their faith and with their faith in society. Which, yeah, and like the community. And yeah, so that, that which sounds like impact. a good thing. Probably, yes, that's probably, probably okay. So that would that's, that's cool. kind of where you get the like tolerance movements and stuff. And that, like, that's where uh, you're going to get a lot of the uh, the YMCA, the uh-huh. Salvation Army. The, yeah, 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 that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. what I was. Teetotalism. It was also in that era, like of like. It well eventually it was yeah. way down the line, but like, like basically faith based or like activism based. Yes, yes. So eventually, <laughs> interesting how it was like a runaway, especially as it kind of because it ling- it didn't the revival didn't linger, the impacts of the revival lingered into like the early nineteen hundreds, early twentieth century, and a lot of it was like. Um, Oh, culture hates Christianity, and so we have to make okay. our own stuff, make our right. own schools, make our own organizations, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So ha- have the talking <clears throat> points changed. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But so briefly before we get to Asbury, I would make an argument, and this is going to really tip my hand on what I even think about revivals. Mm-hmm. The civil rights movement was Definitely. A revival. <laughs> I was going to cut you off and say, okay, fourth fourth one, uh, civil rights, yeah. Right. Like, y'all, yeah. like a massive Christian movement centered around church organizations partnering with other goodwilled humanitarian efforts to have a complete mm-hmm. renewal and reimagination of what we thought as a nation about the image of God in people. Yeah. Yeah. And literally that language was constantly being used because a lot of the leadership mm-hmm. grew up in or was still affiliated with or literally were clergy within churches. Mm-hmm. How this, the only reason it doesn't get considered a revival is because they were black. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. There's, just, I, there's no other yeah, reason. There's well. no other reason. But but go ahead. Y'all's thoughts? No, before that was, we get that that was it. Uh, no, absolutely. Because whenever I was thinking about what I would consider revival to, um, if I was thinking like, okay, so if it were a revival, if a revival were to only include Christians, what would a revival of our modern day church look like? Uh, Big C church, American church, I guess. Um, and I was thinking like the first thing that came to my mind was like wealth distribution or just like mm-hmm. a massive response mm-hmm. of giving. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I think that same, like that's kind of like the civil rights movement is like, it was just like transforming people who said they were Christians into actually manifesting their faith in a way that was needed at the time. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and Christian led. Yeah, which is which makes it so much more like it wasn't just like a oh the church is seeing this movement and they're being reactionary to it and the reactionary is actually a good thing and they're deciding to no it was like men and women of God were calling the church to better and they overwhelmingly responded. Right. You know, I'm just like that. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think, uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to call it a revival in retrospect, but I think the George Floyd era was a little revivalish. Wait, boom. Mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't, it doesn't have the immediate Christian aesthetic, but Uh, the church had to repent. Well, two things, because I think two things ultimately happened with that one, if we're mm-hmm. honest. The church had to decide where they were going to fall on yeah. this line. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. for a long time, we 
made it a table talk, race conversation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we had all the pretty things around it and you could disagree or whatever. But when George Floyd happened, it was like people chose a side and boy did they choose a side mm-hmm. because most Christians either went like, hey, I'm going on the woke trajectory now. Mm-hmm. Like where I am on the spectrum of that is, you know, up for debate and life and circumstance. But I'm going this path of like caring about marginalized people, mm-hmm. caring about these black issues that I learned about. And then there's, y'all, there's been an opposite response. There there has, the, yeah, there's the, literally been book bannings post. Yeah, there's like, you know the, what I mean? Like the, the Israel um, was response. Which one was mine? I'm, I'm looking for my <laughs> Which one was mine? Uh, More cool one. That one. Okay, nice. I should have uh, said this one. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, beer break on the podcast. No, beer break. <laughs> Continue. Uh, no, uh, so uh, the uh, um, there was kind of the, the Israel kind of uh, response of like, we're going to be with the people. And then there was the Pharaoh response of, we're going to dig our feet right into That's the it. ground and we're going to stand right. right. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. either hardened their hearts or they, or or they, they dove in. Yeah. Or they did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it is absolutely a a revival because like it it was brought to the forefront of the news of social media to the point where like every white christian was literally unable to avoid it avoid it Mm -hmm. and so like yeah they had to make and it it really drew a line in the sand Mm -hmm. and just speaking anecdotally i know a lot of people i grew up in flyer mound uh I know a lot of people who grew up very ignorant to uh, generational, um, mm-hmm. you know, just disparities and racism and um, that were just like repenting and, and, and also just like, I don't know, really obviously struggling and wrestling with that and asking questions and everything. And so it did feel like an awakening. Yeah. Like it, it felt like... I think the difference between that and the civil rights movement was that's a little upsetting is this wasn't a church led. Right. Yeah. The yeah. church reacted. Right. 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 Yeah. It didn't lead it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not I, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't think it'll be looked back as a revival, but I think there was, there was a revival in it. It just, it was more than probably with Christians, but there was a Christian, there was a, a revival, I think, within Christianity, at least that some people participated in. Mm-hmm. Not everyone did. And there have been moments like that in history. Mm-hmm. Like there was the, um, there was like the kind of 1990s, like racial reconciliation movement mm-hmm. where like yeah. all of a sudden, like all these churches were like, hey man, we got it we got to start talking about this. Like, and then there were all these like stadiums with like, you know, let's all hold hands and like come together. All of us Mm -hmm. brothers in Christ. It was very male centric, which is interesting. But like there was just just kind of this like wave of like, as we were becoming a post-racial nation, like let's, uh, Let's let's be brothers in Christ, and mm-hmm. we, they talked about nothing systemic. And so <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> Ten years later, it was like, wait, dog, no, you keep voting for Republicans, and they're uh, killing me. Like, yeah, yeah. Systemic but, is the word I was looking for. Earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, 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 one one thing I do want to mention as we dive into Asbury a little bit is what's interesting about this revival is a couple things. It's a college campus, mm-hmm. and these are Zoomers. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, Gen- Gen- Generation Z. Z. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what's interesting is 
all the project we did. <laughs> hey, I'm asking the questions for the people, you know what I mean? So go ahead. Right. Kennedy go ahead. is revealing himself as a boomer by not knowing what a zoomer is. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting, though, is like, and, and I think what we've done for a while is project onto that generation. Yeah. Like, we always talk ish about them. Like, we're like, they're obsessed with the internet when, like, how long do boomers sit on Facebook? Mm. How long do wine moms sit on Instagram? Mm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Suburban wine moms. So I'm like, so I'm like, it's so funny that we're just constantly like, oh, this generation Z doesn't even know how to like talk anymore. And it's like, and you do? <laughs> you mm-hmm. you curse people out on Facebook when they right, yeah. say something that's mildly humanitarian. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you snowflake bitch. How dare you? <laughs> you know, root you know root for you know black lives. You know, yeah. take so, a knee during our, our right. You know, there. like yeah. so. I'm just like, and then and then another big you know generation Z uh, critique has been their their lack of. Uh, their lack of cultural direction and their spiritual apathy. Mm. Well, boom. The idea that Generation Z is becoming less spiritual is false. They're becoming less religious. Yes. Yeah. They're overwhelming. Very, very, very spiritual. They're very spiritual. And exactly. That's, again, that's a whole other podcast, but yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a good podcast. The, well, I would actually love to get into yeah. Gen Z spirituality um, mm. because I work a lot with Gen Z and I just right. see a lot. There's... Uh, Astrology's making a comeback. Crystals are making a comeback. Eastern religions. E- a lot of Eastern practices. Uh, Wicca, witchcraft stuff is yeah, very prominent. Tar- is, is it tarot or tarot cards? I, I don't know. I didn't know what the second was. So yeah, I don't okay. know what that is. Okay. I, I, I got it. corrected <laughs> on that recently. I'm not going to repeat myself. But those cards. <laughs> you know, the ones with the thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That's, yeah. that's all kind of making a comeback right now. And I think the only thing as far as spirituality goes, that uh, Gen Z is intolerant of is intolerance. Boom. uh, They're radically inclusive. That's what makes evangelism and Gen Z hard, too, is uh, for Jesus to... I think the number one controversial thing in Christianity for Gen Z is Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, the life, Mm -hmm. because it's a very catch-all spirituality culture, I think. If I may briefly please i find it interesting that when jesus said that when he was here it was never offensive to um anyone but those who were in power Mm. and in saying that what i mean is like i think acceptance of jesus especially the way that he presented it and the way that his constituency eventually lived it out had far more fluidity and inclusivity than we dare to believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, like, and that's why I think a lot of even Gen Zers are looking at Jesus and they're like, wait, he's kind of based. So, different podcasts, but I think there's there's stuff there of, like, I don't know if there is a more radically inclusive person than Jesus. Even with the definitive statements of, like, he is the Messiah. I mean, he's literally just describing who he is more than he is being exclusive. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I just wonder if he made more room for people... The, and this is I'm not critiquing you I'm critiquing the the overwhelming sense he's critiquing right? you I was, no I'm not no, at all, at all, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here's what I was going to say that, that 
please critique me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, more, to that. I'm, I'm more so saying it's just interesting that I think if Gen Z and Jesus sat down and had a conversation, I think they'd be like, "Oh, you're on the team." I don't think anybody has an issue with Jesus. Exactly. It's more so with Jesus' followers. Yeah. 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 Or, honestly, I think people have probably a bigger issue with the Father, but that's maybe a little muddier. A misconception of Old Testament stuff, you know, Uh, whatever. And then this... I think all of this talk about the awakenings, about the civil rights movement, uh, the George Floyd, like, Black Lives Matter movement, um, and also Gen Z spirituality... I don't think we can really get into like what this revival is if we didn't cover that. Like, boom. I I think you need to understand what led to this event, and also like, yeah, I I I wonder why I think there's I think this was a response to something mm-hmm. in culture recently, mm-hmm. and so I want to know kind of or discuss what laid the groundwork for a revival to take place because for the great awakenings you think okay well why did they have the great awakening and so so a couple of the interesting things that i've seen about the asbury revival is one there was a significant amount of queer representation Mm -hmm. um amongst the student body didn't know that there yeah there were and i say significant in proportion to what they are as a national population anyway which Mm -hmm. is yeah. in the less than 10 percentile but they but they were there and they were active mm-hmm. and people interviewed them and and they were very much comfortable with being a part of it mm-hmm. and ironically one of the reasons they were is because so the revival got a lot of attention and some of the big name some of the big christian names that have normally been around revivals did show up so carrie Job came mm-hmm. um todd bentley that name probably doesn't mean anything to y'all but he has been kind of a revivalist preacher for quite some time. He is absolutely batshit insane. He would literally have revival um, um, uh, services where he would heal people by punching them in the stomach. Mm-hmm. How this man has any <laughs> relevance <laughs> in Christian spaces right, is insane to me. Let me heal you by breaking the law. Right. <laughs> but check this. When those people showed up, they didn't get pulpits. Yeah, they were right. like, you can sit in the stands, mm-hmm. you can sit in the congregation, you can watch what's happening, and then people, there were people there that were like trying to pray the gay away and stuff like that. Immediately rejected. Mm-hmm. The school did an amazing job in saying, we are not going to let this turn into an event. This is an authentic thing that our student body is engaging with, and this will not turn into an event. It right. is exactly what it is. So yeah, just can you summarize i guess like the like what happened at the uh, was it asbury is that what we're saying I, I think that's the beauty of it is even people who went in and did some pretty good um in, investigative work it really was a pretty authentic just like that's why i think uh, this one may go down in history as like kind of the 1970s jesus freak thing yeah content flavored differently but like it'll be different than what that movement was fundamentally but like I think this one's going to go down in history because there really isn't like a... Well, it wasn't planned. Day one and then day two, it was like it just happened. And Mm. people just kind of had to come and just talk to kids and see what the heck was going on. Mm. My understanding is it was a Wednesday, a regular Wednesday morning chapel uh, worship service, I think, that they regularly had. Mm -hmm. And it just just carried on. It literally just went. Like, there's no, like, which is kind of what 
these types of movements are supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so my quick take, and then I want to hear what y'all think. One, as a lay historian of church history, we cannot have any conclusive conversation about uh-huh. this right. as it's happening or mm-hmm. w- right after it's ha- like history always has to tell the story of what this moment meant. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. We're starting to see that George Floyd meant a backlash. Like mm-hmm. look at the yeah. book bands, look at the politicians who've come up with the, look at when the CRT anti-woke conversation really wrapped up. Right. And mm-hmm. it was after we told a bunch of white people, you should start reading black so that you can understand the black struggle. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, nah, man, I don't even want little kids reading that, Mm -hmm. you know? So we know what moments were by historically what they produce. And my quick observation of this thing is, I'm sure it was authentic. It seemed inclusive. It is very encouraging to me that gay people were there and that minorities were there and that they felt very comfortable and safe there and that they were even advocated for in those spaces. I don't think you can have a modern day revival without addressing the modern day pain points. And modern day pain points are people are in economic, like capitalism is really being critiqued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like people hate their jobs. Especially mm-hmm. with Gen Z. Yep. People yeah. hate their jobs. People do not make enough. People, most Ameri- the vast majority of Americans cannot afford a $400 emergency. Mm-hmm. Most Americans are in medical or credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Credit card debt, debt took a interestingly credit card debt, debt took yeah. yeah or school debt student loan debt. Credit card debt took a quick dive after during COVID because we got those stimulus checks yeah. went right back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's reasons for that. But like um, the incarceration system is crazy. Police reform, like all of these like real heavy pain points. These modern oppressions. I don't know that anything can be a revival that doesn't deal with those. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this movement still has the potential mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. And so I think that's just kind of where I am with it. History is going to have to tell us what it is. And until I see it address modern day slavery, quote unquote, I'm, 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 I'm agnostic on it. Hmm. Um, I'm glad we're doing this. I was about to ask at some point, like, all right, everybody just show your hands. <laughs> like, like, lay all your cards out on the table. I don't know where y'all are at. Um, yeah, I had a, I, it's kind of, I haven't had a consistent um, take. Because at first, like I said, I was very skeptical, cynical, um, questioning the impact that it'll have, the longevity um, that'll have kind of like what you're talking about, like it's historicity, like it's historical significance mm-hmm. in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what you mentioned earlier is exactly what I found myself able to rejoice in, uh, just the response in Gen Z, um, and the amount of hope that there is in Gen Z and like the amount of under the amount that we've underestimated them. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so that's something that I've found myself able to rejoice in. Um, and then, you know, like, I I don't think there's anything wrong with 
people confessing, praying for one another, worshiping and everything. So, like, I have no qualms with it. I'm just very Oak Cliff-minded. Um, yeah. I think our church uh, personally has been, like, struggling uh, and kind of dying in a way where just numbers are dropping and, and our church has, you know, has really been feeling it. And and so as a response to that, we have looked, we have tried to stress much more like, how can we meet the needs of our neighborhood? How can we go and make connections with our neighborhood, have more of a neighborhood presence? And we talk all the time about revival in Oak Cliff. Even before these revivals happened, we use that phrase revival in Oak Cliff. And to me, that looks like the church holding the city up like financially and yeah. meeting meeting needs meeting food and shelter needs um supporting families uh being refuge for people who are struggling um providing mentorship and guidance and whatever all those things um and so anyways i'll, I'll say it voting different as well voting different yeah like this is a de- like we've said this a couple of times because i'm just so excited to have conversations with the three of you but like we do have to talk about this on another podcast, but because we don't have time for what I'm about to say. <laughs> if you are an evangelical Christian in the modern day of politics, it has to be. I'm not going to make a blanket statement yet. I'll probably make one closer to 2024. How I, I you have to help me understand how you could vote for a Republican. Mm hmm. Yep. But the nature of the things that Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are both saying and doing. So we can leave it there, but I'm just like... Ted Cruz, Greg Abbott. I, I'm just like, at what point do we like? Do we have to be honest about what the Republican Party has become? But I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there because that's literally a whole episode. But like, Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But, like, so anyways, I've been like, that's all well and good. I, My heart's still very anchored in... I want to see change like manifested in our city and I want our church to be a part of that um, revival to me. Like I said earlier, when I was thinking on like a nationwide scale, what revival, how revival would be manifested is like I said, the first thing I thought of was like some form of wealth distribution, mm-hmm. some form of like mass giving in response to, this encounter with the spirit. You, um, you mean, you mean that the top three uh, wealthiest people in the country will no longer own fifty percent of the wealth? Exactly. Is that no, is that what you're saying? No, that's, but that's I want I want to see a crazy number like that yeah. flipped over. Yeah. Like yeah. I think that's what I want to see. And yeah. like, or or, which I think would naturally manifest itself into that. Mm. Uh, a lot of people in crazy numbers confessing Christ as their lord mm-hmm. and like who a d church like we have a very d church uh non-church you know generation and gen z mm-hmm. and millennials uh millennials started the exodus out of the church and everything i believe mm-hmm. um anyways uh so I, I either of those two things i think i would like to see um that's what my heart desires mm-hmm. um so I, I uh, the church that I went to in college uh, was uh, was Antioch. Shout out to Antioch, and uh, they were very uh, college station. Station, yeah. yeah. So they they uh, uh, not a perfect church by any means. Um, some theological issues that I have, but 
at the end of the day, I did appreciate that they tried their best to live out the book of Acts. Uh, and that kind of sticks with me too of a revival kind of looking like that, mm-hmm. where the book of Acts says that they had all things in common uh, right. and that their numbers grew day by day. And they said that they had all things in common, meaning they shared everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing was, uh, I don't know, nothing, but like everything, like it, it'd be like if you, if we just shared vehicles or like we, yeah. I came up to you, I don't have any milk. So, you know, that's a basic like, basic understanding of it but like i think of america kind of needing something like that where it's like okay you know what this stuff that we all feel entitled to is our own maybe we need to start giving that to other people and and relying on each other more than we do right now where we're mostly just self-efficient self-sufficient that's my idealized revival um as far as the asbury revival goes i do like what i'm hearing about like you know people feeling comfortable who are from marginalized communities yeah mm-hmm. um i will be honest and say i don't know enough about everything that they're talking about to really make a distinct interestingly you know, enough no pulpits bro it's been like straight music praying with each other talking is it to each still other. going on i guess currently i'm or? not 100 percent sure the 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 latest i've been hearing about it was uh, was like a week or so ago so okay. that that's that i don't know what that says but okay. Um, it is not a it is not a very uh, preacher led revival. Mm-hmm. It is a it is very much a like um, almost strictly worship prayer mm-hmm. confessional type deal. So so that kind of helps with like it's it's harder for the content to be in air or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. healthy because it's like it's just people just like engaging more than it is anyone coming up and declaratively okay. speaking into yeah. what the revival is. Yeah. So I, I know that it kind of sparked similar uh, revivals in other campuses around the country, different schools and institutions. Um, do we know what it looked like at those places too as much? Cause I, I, at I've least just, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I've, yeah. All I know is I started to see a lot of people from A&M sharing like, oh, look at all these students who came together. That actually had yeah. me worried. Somebody, I was, <laughs> agree. I was Somebody agree. sent me a mess, like uh, sent me a, that post on Facebook, and I said, "You have to realize this is what happens at A and M anyways." Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, that's <laughs> it's not a revival. This is Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like we, I was like, you have to yeah. realize "We sell out Reed Arena." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> For a Bible, yeah, the, yeah, the fact that Bible the fact study. that you get anywhere from five thousand to ten thousand people in Reed Arena almost every Tuesday. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the numbers are maintaining yeah. now that Ben and TA have, have moved on, but like insane. Well, and that's where we get back to the term revival. I'm like, what is being revived there at AM? Yes, yes, exactly. that's, that's, that's already happened. Yeah, because the only thing that needs question. to be revived at AM is white supremacy. Oh boy, he said it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. No, no, that's they, what I'm saying. Oh, uh, but, in our, in our uh, March Bandit seed, but go ahead. Yeah, well, here's the thing they showed their ass. <laughs> no, no, but I, I'll say, like, like, I intimately care about College Station. Mm-hmm. I lived there for five years. Of course, we all, we I all, all of y'all, yeah, like, like, I, 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 I actually yeah, miss like, College Station sometimes. Go ahead. Yeah, like, I, there is a love that I have for that city, for Bryan College yeah. Station, mm-hmm. that will never relinquish, mm-hmm. ever. Um, but it has time and time again, I, I literally, before I left, like, they used some of the surplus in the city's budget to get more cops mm. and <clears throat> and the christian apparatus in the area agreed with it <clears throat> and if you, you know, know the amount of 
families living in poverty below the poverty line who are going to be occupied and harassed by those police you know and like and how many times have we had, you know, how bad was the statue conversation at a Oh, terrible. You know what I mean? Man. Like, yeah. They called Kellen Mond Blackie. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, no, it, it like, there have, there have been moments where College Station has showed its ass. And I'm just like, clearly, we know what needs to be revived down there. And it's like, the idol of white supremacy needs to be taken down. Mm-hmm. And look, that's, in, that's almost every place in America. So this mm-hmm. is not, I'm not picking on college station with this it's more like i got to live there for five years do great ministry down there Mm -hmm. have great relationships really get to know the marginalized population down there and they would echo me so if the marginalized population would say that white supremacy needs to be dealt with in college station then Mm -hmm. joshua luck is going to say that you know what i'm saying i agree i agree you know so but yeah i you know i i think what's interesting about what kind of both of y'all said and and what i'm saying as well even though it's in a more modernized sense what all of us are saying like the first 300 years of the church, people don't think about it this way, but it was more justice-centric, right? Yep. Like, that was normally what was getting people martyred, not participating in Roman activities that were dehumanizing and mm-hmm. inju- unjust, like infanticide, gladiatorial games, rejecting the Roman gods um, because of their lack of benevolence and lack of Mm. holiness and love and and like literally like what it meant to be a Christian the first 300 years of Christianity was a lot of martyrdom is what we talk about but we never talk about why they were being martyred they were a peculiar people who were doing activities that felt not only anti-social but Mm anti-patriotic and one of the consistent critiques of them was how much they care for one another mm-hmm. because it was undercutting the very nature of what Rome was supposed to be accomplishing. <laughs> Rome was supposed to be accomplishing peace, prosperity, justice, mm-hmm. and yet uh, writers against Christianity at the time had to concede they take care of each other better than we take care of our own. Mm-hmm. Um, amongst the poor, the, the, the class uh, eradication and eradication of a lot of hierarchies, um, the way they treated women, the way they treated children, mm-hmm. the way they, like, I mean, and then you even look when Christianity did become legal, what were some of the immediate things that stopped gladiatorial games? Um, they segregated prisons to ensure that women were not sexually assaulted. They um, eventually killed, in, um, killed, ironic, ended infanticide, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, and, um, and so I, just throwing that out there that, like, Looking like it, there's so many churches that talk about looking like an axe church. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's looking like a justice church. Right. Their first council in Acts 15 was about inclusivity and yep. ensuring that Gentiles can be included in the family without having to do all the meticulous aspects of the law. Yeah. In Acts, you see a lot of the uh, people from the outside. Oh, there's a passage I love, and I forget what chapter it's in, but a lot of what they um, were grumbling about was how. Yeah, the church meetings included Greeks, mm-hmm. Jews, women, mm-hmm. slaves. Like a, how, and they said the the way at least the ESV had quote, quoted it or worded it was like that they were flipping everything on its head. Yes, and yeah, they were in they're turning the world upside down and yeah. causing all this havoc or trouble. Or I love that verse. And what's interesting is 
I'll say this and then I want to hear some final thoughts from y'all. When the church became legal, when Constantine became a Christian and the church became <clears throat> a legal institution in the Roman world, there was this like new like dilemma of like, well, how do we stand out as like holy? And that's when you had a lot of asceticism. So you had monks going out into the wilderness and right. like building monasteries and studying mm -hmm. the Bible all the time. And like that would asceticism became like the new way to be holy, like mm -hmm. to like like just radical personal piety, mm -hmm. which is interesting that like what I, a trend that I've noticed in a lot of American evangelicalism revival conversation is let's have a revival because I really need to stop watching porn. <laughs> right. You know, let's have a revival because it's I, on the personal level. It's more of a, like a yes. level. Yeah, yes. it's like an individual cleansing more than there's like a... Let's cleanse the neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's very it's inward focus instead of outward focus. Yeah. And so I, I want to see that trend change because I feel like God keeps telling us Basically, every revival or awakening we've seen throughout American history keeps having social practical implications on people's societal behavior. Yeah. And it's almost like he's screaming at us, hey, when you're really reviving, when you're really growing, when you're really shifting, you're loving the poor better. Mm -hmm. You're identifying me amongst the marginalized more. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's like, I, I, we just haven't caught the hint yet because we keep yeah. making it this like, Oh, I'm gonna read my Bible more, you know, mm -hmm. after we get done, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. yeah, cute, but I don't think that was the point of God radically shifting you <laughs> for the last three weeks or whatever, uh -huh. you know, like, right, yeah. So those those are those are kind of my closing thoughts, if you yeah. Will. And we'll like to add on to that the and the prophets whenever they are talking about what's going on with Israel, why they're being punished, it never you know they don't point out a bunch of individual sins. They talk about society wise like how the the poor are being treated mm -hmm. um and it's almost always that <laughs> yes mm -hmm. uh but then there's also you know idolatry too um and things like that but it's always yeah like societal sins like mm -hmm. the sins of israel as a whole how mm -hmm. those are being manifested and mm -hmm. resurfacing mm -hmm. um i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this one to you yeah, no, my, my, I guess, final thought is, uh, as a Christian, I think the fundamental thing that I believe, uh, two things, is what Jesus said, which was, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I think that the bottom line of any revival is, um, are we figuring out a way that we can more effectively love our neighbors? Um, mm -hmm. Are we figuring out a way that we can effectively love God? And I think... Uh, you know, it. God mentioned if you don't love the lowest of me, then I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, you, you you're rejecting you're me rejecting me, yeah. yeah. Um, and so for me, when I look at any sort of revival in the U.S., um, the first question I'm going to ask is, how are we learning to love others better? I think that yeah. a lot of people do a. F We're not perfect, obviously, but a, like I, I think a lot of churches, a lot of places that I've been do a pretty good job of loving each other on an individual basis but how can we go beyond that how can we figure out how to love our neighbors who are in the community right next to us who don't have you know who have food insecurity or how can we love our neighbors who um 
you know, are experiencing mass incarceration. You know, that's that's the big thing for me. So just the bottom line I'm going to ask as someone who's not the most knowledgeable about theology is just how can I love my neighbor the best? I'll end this on a hot take, which is that surprising coming from me. Not at all. Um, you? No. <laughs> Satan's greatest trick has been making the church think that loving their neighbor is not an essential to the Christian faith. Mm. When you ask most Christians, what is an essential to being a, a believer? What is it? What what is essential to, like you know, um, being in the body of Christ? And you know, immediately the resurrection, the death of Jesus. You got to believe that. You got to believe in the ascension and believe in the Trinity. Believe in Jesus' mm-hmm. divinity. And can we keep it a buck, y'all? Like it took geniuses to get together to figure out what all that stuff even meant. Mm-hmm. Let's keep the simple things first. It was meant for... It was meant to be simple. Yes. You know what I mean? Let's keep the simple things first. And like... Like... Instead of... Because I know that there's like this like kind of chronological sequence of where people are like, well, once you believe in Jesus, it'll just naturally bleed into you loving your neighbor. Well, tell that to all the racists who say they believe Mm -hmm. in Jesus. How about these two things happen simultaneously? Yeah. You know, like... That, I think that was more of the point of like immediately when Zacchaeus was forgiven by Jesus, he was like, everybody I defrauded getting it back. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The poor are getting half too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I just, so that, I, that's it. I just, I just think a great trick of the devil. I've had conversations with ministers where I'm just like, wait, isn't taking care of the poor and essentials of the Christian faith? No, no, no. You know, it's like, it's like a very important thing, but like, and I'm just like, I don't know, every judgment scene in the Bible is like around people's ethical behavior. I, I well, haven't who, seen a judgment scene in the Bible where people were asked about their Trinitarian doctrine. Wasn't there a prophet who said uh, to know God is to love the poor? I'm sure. My mind is blinking. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll try to look it up. <laughs> Prophet, prophets have written follow, a lot. Follow us on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, we yeah, can't yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> in on that of just like this idea of like, of just like when we talk about the core essentials of the faith, we never talk about loving your neighbor, loving the marginalized. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, feels like that takes up like a two thirds of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But thank y'all so much for joining us on this episode. So fun to have Martin. Um, it's fun to be here, Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll put um, we'll put some show notes. Uh, we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk too much about what Martin does, but we'll, literally who I am. Right. <laughs> but, we'll, okay. but we'll add that in the show notes, and he's just going to be a very familiar face on the show moving forward. So really excited for that and fun conversation. Um, please follow us. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I never talk about that, but follow us on Instagram. Um, uh, of course, please email us at the Moral Minority show at gmail.com holler at me and kennedy on social media hell martin's gonna be with us a lot holler at martin on social media yeah yeah um so yeah i i think uh i'm I'm sitting here closing out the episode and then martin put up a verse is there something you want to say real quick before we have oh well (laughs) the one that came to mind that i think kennedy was trying well maybe it's not the one but there's actually plenty of verses that talk about how yeah it's overwhelming uh yeah james one (laughs) james one twenty seven, which is actually quoting an old testament verse i believe from like leviticus or deuteronomy um but pure and genuine religion in the sight of god the father means caring for the orphans and widows and their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you so like 
pure and genuine faith looks like that. Exactly. Looks like caring for the least of these. And boy, have I seen some pastors do some gym, gymnastics to yeah, get out of that, that one. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, much love always. Thank y'all for joining us. Join us next time. And uh, thank y'all so much for hanging out for this fun conversation about Asbury. <laughs>